Google will only work efficiently if people know who you are. Like when people search AC repair in, on Tustin and Orange, whatever, guess what? If NextGen and Bob Skeeter in there and Paul Skeeter in there pops up, they're probably going to go to NextGen. Why? Because they've seen it at the Angel Stadium. They heard it on TV, on, on radio. They've seen it on TV. They've seen it on billboards everywhere. They're, they're going to be like, oh, that's that company. Boom, click it. They call us right away, right? So, so we use the billboard for the brand awareness to be able to convert all those platforms into calls, into leads, into revenue. So to me, it's working. I, I, what I recommend it to people, I would tell people, hey, do your market research, find out what works for you, track it. Don't just track the number of calls, track the conversion, track the average ticket, track the, the revenue that's coming in, track the profit, right? And go with it and make that educated decision. So don't go based on what works for me. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Welcome back to the Home Service Expert. Today, I have a good buddy of mine. You guys might have heard of him. He's a uh, Pretty loud in the home service space, especially HVAC. Ishmael Valdez, there you are. How are you today? This is how I'm going to be in the camera the whole day right here, homie. So Ishmael is an expert in HVAC, customer service, recruiting, and managing. He's based out of Orange County. He started a company in 2015 called NextGen Air, and since then um, has blown it up. It's a, it's a very big company. Ishmael is the owner and CEO of NextGen he does HVAC and plumbing. He started working as the counter guy of a wholesale distribution to starting and growing his own business. He grew his company from zero to 24 million, then moved to 30 in the fourth year. What are you uh, pacing for this year, brother? 62. If I get a longer summer, I'll go 64, 65. So 65 million in six years. That's, that's probably the fastest I've ever heard of uh, anybody growing. So we are going to jump right in. There's a lot of people that have questions, I'm sure. I've got a lot of questions. Really looking forward to this. Uh, thanks for coming on, brother. I went out and visited him in California. So let's just start out by hearing about what you came from. I know you work for a lot. Well, you work for different HVAC companies, and then you work for a distribution center. Let's go through where you started, where you came from, and what you've been through over the last few years. All right. First of all, Thomas. Thank you for letting me in your home and your podcast finally and rescheduling me three times. But you know what? We made it possible and I'm very happy to be here with you, Thomas Mello. Let's give a background about our, our relationship first, Thomas, the amazing friendship that we have built in the last two years and how I'm going to beat you on this Rolex context that we got going on. Okay. Before we get, before we get started into an interview of who I am, people already know who I am. Hopefully they do. If they don't, I'm just a hardworking dude trying to make a couple pennies. Right. Okay. So we can go into that. So I came and visited you, and I bet you that this year I could do 150 million. I got some work to do still for a thirty thousand dollar Rolex, and um, all I know is that uh, I'm just getting started. We're not even in June yet, so I'm about to attack. Good. I just want to let you know, Thomas, that you are an inspiration to us. People don't know how smart you are, and I said it to you in Arizona when we did the Rhino event. In front of everybody, I think I told you, the smartest person in this room is Tommy Mello. Did I not say that? You did. That was very nice of you. You weren't even drinking. And we had some pretty heavy hitters in there. There was, there was a couple of people that are, that are very well known in the industry. And I still, to this day, I will say it again. The smartest person in that whole room was Tommy Mello. That's nice. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you're pretty smart yourself. I don't know anybody who's gone from zero the 60 million. Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine earlier, John Gabriella, and he said he's been in business just as long as me and he's doing six, you know, John's doing six, which is great. It's a fantastic accomplishment, but he had a bunch of questions I'm going to ask you later, but it's, it's, you just don't see that kind of growth. It's taken me to get to where I am. I started in 2017. I got really, really serious in 2014. So Seven years, but but also I had that other seven years ahead of that. So it's definitely something where I feel like you just came in and you got it. So I want to hear more about NextGen. How'd you come up with the name? What'd you do? What were some of the mistakes, pitfalls, how you got involved with Service Titan? 
you know, there's a lot, lot of story here, background that I think everybody's going to want to hear. I was playing about the, the thing, but let's go ahead and get serious about it. I started in the industry. I was 17 years old. I, like you said, I, I worked at a supply house for, for at least nine years. I think I was going on my 10th year when I was working at Howard industry, dude, probably like I told you, I've said this before, one of the best moves I ever did because I got to network with the actual workers. I didn't see that many owners. There was, there was owners that would go in there, but they were little, you know, uh, mom and pop shops, you know, two, three guys with them kind of thing. But most of the, th- most of my networking became with installers, right? I, I got to meet a ton and I, by a ton, I mean at least four to 500 different installers that would go in there and pick up parts, material, equipment, everything. I was there for nine years. I networked with installers. The technicians were in there too. I was mentored by this guy named Jeff Winter. Um, really, really, really smart dude. I did my nine years there. I really thought I was going to retire there, Tommy, because they, they treated me really, really good. I did my nine years there. Uh, I kept getting heavy recruitment every day. I think it was every day or every other day, somebody would go in the counter and want to talk to my ma- manager. Right. And remember at the time I'm like 22, 23, 24 years old. And, and every, it seems like at least once or twice or three times a week, they would want to talk to a manager and my, and my manager, Richard at the time, would, would kept coming up to me and saying, Hey, he wants to hire you. He wants to hire you. He wants to like different people who just wanted to hire me. I think it was my energy that, that got people a little bit um, stoked, but I said no to 99% of the people until one person came in and they just made me a ridiculous offer. I couldn't refuse. I don't know if I said this story before, but he actually, the guy that, that, that actually made, uh, recruited me. He sat me at, uh, at the Lakers uh, games uh, when it was LeBron James against the Lakers. I think he was at the Miami Heat uh, at the time. And we sat next to LeBron James's wife. And that's what kind of closed the deal for me. Um, I text him, hey, I'm all in. Went and worked for him. He had, he had already had that company for about two years and just wasn't really getting the point of it. He wasn't, he wasn't doing bad, but he wasn't doing good. He was doing like an install every other day, an install day kind of thing, right? got in there and, and, and we just started like connecting all the dots, recruiting people. He started focusing on the sales side and I started fo- focusing on the operation side. And, you know, we made a really, really good team together. Got up to 21 mil, I think 21 mil. It, it took us four years to get there. And, and that was probably the, one of the funnest times in my life because I was learning yeah, I remember I was in the wholesale side, nothing to do with the contracting side. So I didn't really know what, what a turnover was, what a marketed lead was. Like I, I didn't know any of this until I got exposed to it with, with that company, you know, did, did my time there parted ways. And, and what I know now parted ways in, in 2015 late, right after summer. And now that I know what I know, I know why he let me go. He was running into a massive cash flow issue and he was mad running he, he he grew his overhead out of control he grew his his expenses out of control and and right when summer hits all the hvac no guys know right right when summer hits if you're not stacking up your chips right those chips could go like that you know within a month or two you're you're drying out you know what i'm saying so i got i, got, I went on i did that and uh we parted ways with them and we started next gen right after that so you, you started next gen and i know that you've got uh, some family involved Tell me some of the steps you went into and you just said what I'm the, and I've heard your story cause you have a really good video and we'll put that yep. video link in the podcast, but what caused you to start next gen? What were some of the things you prepared for? Well, let's go through a bunch of questions about that, that beginning days. So what caused me to, to do next gen at the beginning? It was out of fucking anger. I remember I had a stable job. I was making 120, 130,000 a year. I was 23, 24, like, I didn't want anything else than that. Like I was, I was good where I was at. I was already uh, with my wife. We, you know, we're having our first kid. We're having a second kid. And, and I was making steady money. Like I'd never had to worry about money to me. 130,000 a year at that time was a lot of money. Right. I had a, had a house. I had a couple good, uh, I had a Mercedes, like everything was good. He came and disrupted me and tempted me to go out there. And, and, and obviously that wasn't all his fault. It was my fault for making the choice too. But, but at the beginning I started, it was a hundred percent out of anger. I was really fucking pissed, bro. Like really angry that, that I let myself get that far into the business without number one, educating myself on the corporation. Number two, like educating myself on the back structure, like covering myself. Like we were 50, 50 partners up to that point, but nothing was in paper. Right. Yeah. So when shit went down, guess what? 
there was nothing that I can do or, or say or, or be like, hey, where's my money, you know? So shit happened for a reason. You know, I was super mad at the beginning and, and that's what caused me to, to start Next Gen. And um, you have, was it one sister to tell me who was in the beginning? At the beginning is my sister. She was my first employee, uh, in-house support. She was doing all the invoicing, all the collections, all the P&Ls per se. Like we didn't even know what a P&L was at the time. And she was kind of like weaning. <laughs> I remember she would go on Google and like, she'd be like P&L and like, she would see like what the hell was in there. So she would just plug in numbers in there. Dude, we had like three employees, you know what I'm saying? It didn't, we were trying to be something we weren't, but that's what led me into this, like making sure that we were structured. So we had my sister. Um, she's now my COO. She runs the, like the whole backend operation that knows the company inside and out. At the time, my brother was, was in here. My brother was a service manager and, um, we parted ways with him probably about a year ago. He, he started his own company. I'm super, super proud of him because, because now he's going to see what it takes to run and to uh, grow a company. So those were the, the two key people in there that probably, uh, that were family members of mine. And then, you know, this is a great story. So what else? You know, you go back in time right now, and this is one of my favorite things to ask, and I haven't done it in a while, but you, you're talking to 2015 Ishmael. So you go back six years, you just formed an LLC, you're working on your logo. You know, one of the things you told me, and you know, I like to go out and, and have my fair share of cocktails, as you said, one of the, the big things for you was uh, when you really quit drinking, which made a big, big step. But also, what do you tell that younger Ishmael six years ago? Six years ago, I tell Ishmael, slow down, homie. Like, dude, you're missing the whole point of this. Like the, the first five years was like this. Boom, boom, boom. Go, 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 go. More people, more people, more trucks, more trucks, more marketing, more marketing. And I enjoyed it. Now that I'm enjoying it more that I look back at it because I saw what it took to get here. Right. But when I was at the moment, I was like, dude, I was waking up at three in the morning we were working out of my garage, out of my garage for four months. Right. So I was working up at three in the morning, picking up trash, dumping them into different trash bins all around the, like all around the neighborhood. Right. Literally like the liquor stores, the laundromats, all that, the home depots. Right. So I was chasing the results too, too much. That's exactly what I was doing. I was chasing the results too much. And if I could go back and tell that Ishmael, Ishmael, do what you do, but like, enjoy it a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I, I did the same thing in high school. In high school, I was like so eager to get to high school, right? Just like starting my business. So eager to get to high school. I get to high school and I'm like, man, it's so cool to be here. And then I start working every fucking day right out of high school. 2.15, uh, high school was over. 2.30, I was at a job working till like 11 or 12 at night. I'm like, I missed the whole point of high school, the dances, the, the football games. And that's, that's kind of what it felt like uh, starting the business. I started the business. I was super happy to start it. And then I rushed through it. You know what I'm saying? So you tell yourself, slow down and enjoy the ride. Don't always think yes. about the destination. So you got this next gen business. And when did you get on service Titan? I got on service sign the first day that, that we opened up. Like when we got our first shop in uh, 2016, January, 2016, it was a fresh year. I leased out a building like five minutes away from where I'm at. And I called service sign cause I didn't know anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't even know there was another, I was going to get into success word, but I think success word, I don't know what they said. They like, they couldn't configure anything that we wanted. Right. And, um, the marketing, I think it was the marketing that they they're like, Oh, we don't, we just don't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't do that. That's the most important thing. Like yeah. if we can't trace the dollars where the phones are ringing, like, how are we going to make the educated decision? Well, and then I think service time was able to do that for us. So that's why from day one, we started on service time. Now there's some stories that go back and are as the CEO, you're good buddies with them. Uh, Vahe does a lot. The, 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 the Tom Howard came out and visited. And I, I think the story goes, you got a pretty big voice in the industry and they weren't giving you the best customer service and attention you needed. Yep. And you started to create a, um, a little bit of a tornado for them, so to speak. And uh, they sent out Tom Howard and basically turned a couple dials for you. And I feel like that little experience and, and correct me if I'm wrong. And Tom never told me this, but I kind of, kind of know through the grapevine that that was a point for you that you started to get your books in order. You started to be able to use the Ferrari that service Titan is. I always tell people they're stuck in first gear. They're driving a Ferrari, but they're not, they're not using it. 
Do you think that that was a big catalyst for you to really, I mean, look, for, for, for as long as I've known you, you've always made money. The question, I hear a lot of people brag about revenue, not as much about profit. What, me and you go back yep. and forth to talk about this. Do you think that that was a time where you started to focus more on profit? 100%. And I'm so glad you brought this up, Tommy, because I don't think a lot of people know that story. And I'm glad you know it because I, I think I've told you the story. So what happened, and this is a really, really cool story about it. So what happened, Service Titan had a lot of gaps in between how, how their managed technicians were, were allocated. We were running a, a $25 million, $30 million business with like you know, maybe 10 managed techs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we had all the installers under one, all the technicians under one sales guys had their own, like we just worked around the system and, and they never noticed Right. Because they'd never really paid attention to it until we brought it up to them. And they really saw like, Holy crap, how the hell is he running a $30 million business with like 10 managed techs? Right. And we told them how we run it. Cause remember at the time it was 2018. I thought that service time was just a dispatching software because I was so focused on the growth, on the revenue, on, on hiring, on the marketing, all that. Like I was so focused on that, that I was like, oh, it's just a dispatching software. It's just so my technicians know where they're going. I literally, that's what I, I, I thought for the first three years of the business. So they finally sent Tom, uh, you know, me and Laura get it, go, go at it for a while. And I'm like, dude, I'm not, there's no way I'm paying 20, 25, $30,000 for this shit. Like there's just no way it doesn't do anything. It just dispatches. Like I'll just go back on Google sheets or something. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, Ishmael, what do you mean to just dispatch? I'm like, Ara, it doesn't do anything for us. This is how we do our thing. And I told him like, we still use paper contract. We still use paper invoices. We still have a whiteboard with all the KPIs. Like, to us, it was just a dispatching software. It wasn't nothing else, right? So he goes like, look, Ishmael, like, I really think that you're telling me the truth. So this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to send Tom Howard, right? Do you know Tom Howard? And I'm like, no, I don't know Tom Howard. I don't want Tom Howard in here. What the hell is he going to teach me, right? Kind of like the same thing I did to you at the beginning. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is he going to teach me, right? I'm like, yeah. no, I don't want Tom Howard. And, and he goes like, look, let me send Tom Howard for three days. Let him see how you operate. And I guarantee you, he's like, I guarantee you, we're going to make you more efficient. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So he sends Tom Howard in here. He was in here for my, in my office the first three days. And he, he saw everything wrong. He's like, what do you mean you're using paper contracts? You can upload a contract and they could fill it out and, and they could take payment and they could, I'm like, holy crap. All the technicians, like we had to build a price book. Luckily he was here to, to build it out for me. We tweaked it and everything. And they started to show us what the software can really do. Right. Yeah. At that point, Tommy, I was, uh, and I'm going to be super honest with everybody, right? At that point, I was spending like $480,000 on the LA Times newspaper per year, right? And I didn't have my service sign set up properly on the marketing side and the phone numbers and all that. Like I said, I, I thought it was a dispatching software, right? So we start tracking, like we started like really tracking the, like the service sign, I mean, the LA Times leads. Dude, we found out that out of those 480000 we were only generating like less than a million dollars in revenue a year. So it was costing you almost 50%. You were getting a two times. I mean, my bare minimum is a five times. So you, you basically, you know, to add on to that is when I've got, I got, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I've got 4,300 call tracking members, 4,300. Yep. So I renegotiated yep. all my marketing because of service Titan. But what I can tell you is, the interview I had with the Home Service Expert podcast with Ara is he said, look, the biggest secret to success is conform to what we build the tool for. You might have your own way of doing bonus structures and payroll. You might have your own way of doing dispatch. But we literally sat down with the monsters, the Roto-Rooters, the big, big companies, and we built the software to do it this way. So when you conform to us, you're going to be unleashing the beast. And you had a guy, Tom Howard, who is an expert at HVAC and plumbing that basically was able to tell you this is how you should do it to take advantage of it. Yep. And I got to tell you, Tom's a, a, a very, very smart guy. I really, you know, I talked to him last night and he, he's a genius when it comes to data analytics. And, you know, he told me he went out and, and flew out to see Bruno, uh, Louis Bruno. I mean, he flies around the country. That's what he did yep. for years yep. to figure out what yep. he was doing. And then he came and saw you. And it, it was a great story because not only did you become a big fan of service Titan, of course. but I think you were single-handedly got them the most clients that any other company or person has ever done. And you, yep. you got a couple presents from, from them, didn't you? Yeah, uh, I, got you I got some 
some ATVs, some Raptors. There's more Raptors coming, by the way. But let me finish the story. So, so we end up saying, hey, LA Times is a fucking worst marketing source. Da, da, da. We end up cutting that. We start allocating. We start really tracking. Dude, we were able to cut $1.1 million, okay? $1.1 million. Tom Howard could verify all this. $1.1 million in marketing expenses that were just not giving us the right ROI because we started setting up our service time properly, right? Not needless to say, we went paperless. Needless to say, we like every time we had a price change, like twice a year, three times a year, we would have price changes on our on our service. And like we would print out these books every single time because like we wanted a price change, right? So now it's set up properly, like, dude. In a snap of a second, we change all the pricing, right? So, yep. so they helped us with efficiency. They helped us with our reporting side, right? And to that day, like when he stepped in the, into my shop, he was here for like two months, bro. And we were literally dissecting next gen air where, where we turned it. Like most people would have, would have number one, gone into depression. Number two, probably drunk themselves into something stupid or number three, they would have bankrupted the company. Tom Howard literally opened up my eyes to like, Hey Ishmael, this is what your gross profit needs to be. This is where your overheads at. This is where your expenses at. Like you need to start tweaking like all this. This is what you as an owner need to pay attention to from that day forward. I literally like, that's all I focus on is numbers. That's why I came up with this shit called data cube because yeah. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. And it wasn't that I was too lazy. I was too busy focusing on other parts of the business that I forgot. The reporting is one of the most important things. The numbers make the decisions for you, and they they should. And you know, not only renegotiating, I've renegotiated pay structures with technicians and comfort advisors. In your case, and the way that the installers get paid, and I really what what Service Titan and software and good managers help you do is come up with performance pay that motivates people to do the same things that are good for you instead of tenure where you work here for seven years and you get yep. bonuses and raises. So I love that story. I got questions that are shooting in here and I've got a lot of questions for you here. I will say that me and you went to Cristiano's thing and um, you were there. We, we had a good time. And Gary Vanderchuk was talking about the billboards, the buses, the other things we do, and I do a lot of them as well, not as many as you do there in Southern California, but you know, I think I'm spending around 30 grand just on billboards in Phoenix a month. But at the end of the day, he said, Gary Vanderchuk told us, and I think he was talking to, to you, and then I stood up. Picking on me. Did you notice he was picking on me? He was trying to like, he knew who I was. He's not stupid. Of course, he got a brief down of who everybody in that room was. And he knew I was the fucking loudmouth in the room. So he kind of wanted to like, kind of settle me down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, bro, like Facebook's good, right? Tommy, do you understand? Well, yeah, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, he said LinkedIn is the most powerful thing. But what he did say about billboards is you're always going to have to pay the toll booth. Who's the toll booth? Yeah. The toll booth is Google. Google, so yeah. When you, when you pay for the billboards, you're paying that 10, 15% toll booth when you come through. But the point is, the reason I'm asking you that question is because I never was a huge fan of, uh, you know, you're at the uh, the baseball games, you got the big signs. And then I started to do it once my KPIs hit a certain point and it helps you explode. Like the, the vehicles are all wrapped. They look the same as the billboards, the same as the yard signs. Uh, I'm starting to do more TV, more radio. I look at a guy like Josh and, and, and his dad from Parker and Sons, and you look at whether it's it's Keegan or, or, or the different Kens and Leland's, you, you figure it out. But it takes a good team to close and book those calls. What is your thought on TV radio billboards? And this is what this is what the discussion was at the dinner with them. Like to me, billboards is obviously for branding, but like, dude, we're constantly seeing our CPM go down on Google. Like the leads flow doesn't lie. Like we add more billboards to a certain area. We see the traffic of, of uh, installs of service calls of, of all that. So what do I think about billboards, TV and all that? To me, it works, right? It's worked so far. It keeps working. We keep adding more billboards. We keep getting more leads. We keep getting more technicians. Like it's working for us. Now, do I, do I recommend everybody does it? No, of course not. Because everybody tells me the same thing. Everybody that hops on the phone with me, that goes on Facebook, on messenger that comes to my shop, their number one question is, Hey, Ishmael, what's your number one marketing source? And I, uh, how many times have you told, have I told you guys 
don't ever ask that fucking question because what works for me is not going to work for Tommy Mello. It's not going to work for Parker and Sons. It's not going to work for service champions. Like to us, we're a demand. I structured the whole business based on demand around Google's calls, around Yelp, around like all these review platforms. Like, I'll give you another example. Leland's a, a hardcore, he lives and dies by his direct mail. I tried direct mail. It enhances us. Yeah, we do get steady lead, lead flows. Yeah, it works for us. But am I going to dump 250000 like he does a month on direct mail? Of course not. You know what I'm saying? What I have is working. So do I believe in it? Yes, it works for us. But one of the things that I want the audience to listen to is Google is God. You can't, You got to be searching for your own keywords. So you're, it's called a branded search term. You got to own those no matter what. And then there's there's... There's non-branded. So if somebody says air conditioning repair Orange County, you yep. can still be there. And what's nice yep. about the billboards is the brand recognition and the subconscious helps you get your click through. But so, the good, so the, one thing I'm saying is you got to own the search engines if you're going to do branding. Yes. Yes. Google, and then, and then it goes, which leads to my next conversation, Tommy. Google will only work efficiently if people know who you are. Like when people search AC repair in, on Tustin and Orange, whatever, guess what? If NextGen and Bob Skeeter in there and Paul Skeeter in there pops up, they're probably going to go to NextGen. Why? Because they've seen it at the Angel Stadium. They heard it on TV, on, on radio. They've seen it on TV. They've seen it, our billboards everywhere. They're, they're going to be like, oh, that's that company. Boom, click it. They call us right away, right? So, so we use the billboard for the brand awareness to be able to convert all those platforms into calls, into leads, into revenue. So to me, it's working. I, I, what I recommend it to people, I would tell people, Hey, do your market research, find out what works for you. Track it. Don't just track the number of calls, track the conversion, track the average ticket, track the, the revenue that's coming in, track the profit, right. And go with it and make that educated decision. So don't go based on what works for me. What advice would you give to somebody that wants to learn how to negotiate in marketing a little bit, but maybe better for the radio, maybe a little bit better for TV. Maybe when you buy a certain amount of billboards, you get one free or they get bonus and left out an extra month. You know, you've probably learned how to do that over the last couple of years. What, what advice would you give? So what I would recommend them, honestly, if, if you get to, once you get to a certain size, you know, 20, 25, 30, 40 mil marketing is a whole different ballgame at that point. You're spending millions of dollars in, it's not like you're just, you know, when I started, I was spending, you know, 500, a million dollars, whatever I was spending at the time, but I was able to educate, like get those people to come to my office, grab this newspaper, grab this magazine, you know, work down the rates. And, and I would always tell them like, Hey, if there was five magazines I wanted in my business, I would work them against each other. Hey, well, the, the home mag gives me this rate and, and the home improvement guide gives me this rate. And this is their impression. So I would work them against each other and work them down and obviously get the bottom of the barrel. But, but at this point, I don't have time to sit down with 20 magazines, three, 40 different uh, billboard companies, TVs. Like, so what I would advise people, once you get to a certain point where your time is, is, is being spent too much on your marketing side, you have to grab a, a agency. Like an agency will do that for you. You deal with one or two people inside the agency and let them work out the deals for you. Let them, you know, like the, I'll give you a perfect example. The agency that I work for right now handles called jacob.com, which is a huge lawyer here in Los Angeles. They handle uh, me. They handle a couple other companies that buy a ton of billboards, right? So they just blend me in with that. Hey, with, with them and say, go to the billboard company and say, Hey, we want 200 more billboards, you know, under our account, give us the best price possible. There's no way they're, they're already buying eight, 900, a thousand, a million dollars a month of billboards. They're not going to give me the same rate as them. Right. So I let them handle the negotiation and obviously make sure that, that we're making the right decision on them. But what I would advise them is, is do it yourself until your time is more valuable than, and, and then hire an agency to get the best bang for your buck. You're not, you're not going to beat the rates period. So I agree that because they got the buying power, they do. You somebody that like the one, like, like look at, uh, we buy ugly houses. They're in every major city across the country. They buy more billboards. There's like the learner and Rose, big lawyers are always out there, but yeah, agencies work, especially on media buys. It's the highest paid person. Usually there's two or three of them in an agency of 50 that do these high end media buys. And they're very, very good at what they do. So you started, you started a thing, a Facebook group called service Avengers. You think you're captain planet. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, tell me a little bit about what the purpose of Service Avengers was all about. When you, what was the plan in your mind? 
when you've can, started. Can I tell the real story or should I give the give the nice story? The the hey well, I, think <laughs> the, I don't to want to piss anybody off story. Well, at first you started with service science science and land and and you know yep. I know that you and Ken are buddies now again or whatever, and there's no drama, but you can talk about that and service science science is a good group too. But go ahead and, and tell us the, the real story. I'll give you a short uh, the elevator pitch on it. Look, I, I, Landon had this group called Service Einstein's. For, he had like two, three hundred members on it. Nobody was really on it. I think he had two, three hundred members. And, and Landon called me and said, hey, you should tell your story to people of who you are and, and how you came about. And I'm sure, you know, people are going to be interested in that. I'm like, nobody wants to fucking hear about my story. I'm just a regular contractor. At the time, I didn't know that what we've done here at NextGen, and this is honest, honest to God, Tommy, when I was grinding, I'm still grinding right now, but when I was in the grind in 2007, 16, 17, 18, 19, that I was like, I was, dude, I had my head down and I was fucking tackling through everything I could. I wasn't thinking about social media. I didn't, like, I would go on Facebook to, like, talk to my friends. I wasn't, like, I didn't even know these groups existed until, like, Louis Bruno came about and, and, and Landon and all these guys, like, started, like, telling me, hey, you should go in there and tell your story. So Landon lets me into this Einstein's group and he and he's like, hey, yeah, that's where, where my first post came about. Hey, my name's I own this company called Next Gen Air Conditioning. We started, you know, three, four years ago. We got up to $30 million from, like, literally from a garage or whatever. No investors, no acquisitions, no Costco, no big box, nothing. It was just straight hustle. And people fucking blew the fuck up. Like, dude, we that was the most interactive post to date. Like, even to now, there was no other post on Einstein's or on Avengers that's been more interactive than that one. And Dude, we saw like we had two, three hundred members and every fucking day there was like 20, 30, 40, 50 members like asking to get in after that post. And then people and then I started posting a lot in there and me and Landon were cool. We're, we're cruising and everything. And, and and there was this little beef between me and Ken Goodrich. Like we started talking shit and I, and I think he took it a little bit too serious. And I, I, I guess Landon and him got in an argument and said, hey, you know, I need you to kick Ishmael out or uh, Landon's his employer, right? Like, obviously, he's not going to risk his job for, for a stupid fucking Facebook page, right? So Landon called me up and said, hey, you know, like, Ken doesn't want you to, like, be in there or whatever. And I, I just brushed it off. I was like, what the fuck? Like, there people are in there because of me. I was the one that started interacting. I was the one that started posting, putting content out there. So he kicks me out and I'm like, fuck it, I'll start my own page. So I called it, it was Service OMG at the, at the beginning because me and Louis Bruno were on, and then this is how it came about. Me and Louis Bruno, which love or hate Louis Bruno, he's going through a lot. Like, dude, trust and believe me. And I'm going to be the first one to say this on your fucking podcast. Trust and fucking believe me. Louis Bruno will be back. That dude is hands down in the top three best operators in the fucking nation. And what happened to him, whether you want to believe it or not, can happen to anybody can happen to you, can happen to me, can happen to anybody when you're growing that fast, right? So needless to say, me and him are on the phone and I'm like, you know, I'm going to come up with my own group. You know, I'm going to call it, we kept names and I was on a whiteboard and I kept writing a bunch of names and I was like, dude, you need operations, you need marketing and that equals, you know, and that's your growth. And I was like, O plus M equals G. And he's like, what the fuck does that mean? I was like, operations plus marketing equals growth. And he's like, holy shit that's cool so that's why we came about it and 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 after a while you know i was like i kept it i kept it but then i wanted like something cool right like omg was too like like kind of weird <laughs> you know what i'm saying so that's when we twisted and we and we became service avengers now we got like 16 1700 people in there and it's probably one of the most interactive pages there is on social media it's uh definitely in the home service spots you got several groups that's one of the better ones so you you know what i'm looking to do you know um julian from next Star came out uh visited you uh, he was out that here dude's cool. Tommy, that dude's cool man mad props to that dude he, he's really laid back and and so i'm going to create something that similar to next star but a different i'd like to partner with the companies and i've kind of told you but there's so many opportunities and you're right. People don't understand software. They don't understand the software, how it relates to marketing and density and, and, and how does your payroll. Uh, here's a quick question for you. Did you start with both plumbing and HVAC or did you decided to add plumbing after? Thank you for this question, dude, because I'm going to, I'm going to clear everything up right here. Like, bro, 
I know a lot of companies are like an H track. They're four or five mil. They're four or five mil. They're six. They, they get to seven, and then they add. I mean, then they add an H track, and they add electron electric, and they keep adding things because they think it's going to be a, a better and better and better outcome. Like number one, you got to be financially stable on that if you're going to keep adding uh, bolting on different trades on it. Why? Like. Don't think that just because you're a $5 million track and you bolt on plumbing, you're going to fucking explode out of control. That doesn't happen. Focus on what you like, what you're good at. Like I focus on, on a track and I got it up to $35 million last year and it was all a track, right? Like at that point, I already knew that my management team was structured. It doesn't need all my attention. That's when I decided to add plumbing number one, to protect my customers from going to other plumbers. But number two, because I had a structured management team, we're making money. It's already doing good. It doesn't need my attention every single day where now I need something to keep my mind busy. So I use Avengers and I use plumbing. So now we're going plumbing this year. We're set to do, you know, 12, 13, no, just in plumbing. This is our second year. Now that I'm pouring my attention, now that I'm pouring my, my energy and, and marketing on it. So do I recommend it? I started with HVAC. I, I added plumbing, but I would recommend until you perfect, not perfected until it's self-managed and you don't need to be in there. There's not a hundred headaches coming your way. You know, you're still making profit. That's the key. You're making profit. And you're just looking to protect your customer base or looking to add a little bit more profit because trust me, like, to add plumbing, dude, we spent like $450,000 just on tools, on vans, not even including vans, on tools, on, on racking, on, on our shops, on our inventory, like everything. It, it costs a lot of fucking money. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, I started with HVAC. I added plumbing because uh, HVAC is already self-sustained. So, you know, one thing that I've noticed about you, especially this last year, is... I get in a lot of conversations with a lot of people and you know, right now there's a shortage of supply chain and big shortage of labor. And the word that I think about when it comes to you is the billboards, the branding, the fact is you keep your guys busy and it's important to you. And yeah. um, you became a hell of a recruiter. I think you've added, how many guys have you added in the last six months? The last six months, we probably added about 90 people. How many? In the which, is, which is bigger than 99% of the companies out there. Yep. Well, how many uh, on the field about uh, I would say 80 of those were field members. So about 80 of them were field members between technicians, plumbers, project managers, and college. This is an important question. So what's the secret? Because right now everybody's going, look, we've been able to do it. We've got 30 guys starting June 1st. They're flying out here. They've already gone through their apprenticeship. But I want to hear you've taken HVAC and plumbing are a little bit different. It's harder to train and get them through an apprenticeship. How were you able to, I think what you did is you were able to steal a bunch of guys. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong, but how did you, how did you do it? And you know what? Thank you for bringing this up too, Tommy, because you asked me why I do so many billboards. What I've noticed in the last year, we went from like doing last year, we were doing pretty good amount of billboards. I think we got it up to like almost a hundred last year. This year, I think we're almost, uh, we're passing like to 250. Like we're probably going to pass creep up to the 300. That's where I saw a huge spike on recruiting too, because you got to understand who the hell's on the road, project managers, installers, technicians going from call to call. Like number one, the billboards have done two things for me. It, it, it recruited in, internal personnel and it included external clients. So both clients are, are being recruited with those billboards. So your internal customers, so I've noticed that too, but a word to the wise, you can't have a horrible conversion rate, horrible average ticket, horrible booking rate. No. You, you got to have all those things dialed in. You got to have those dialed yep. in before you even think about. And here's the other thing is make sure you've got a strong website with a strong landing page with a good conversion rate online. These are all things yep. that I think a lot of people don't look at or think about. And they go, and then here's what they do. They go, I'm going to do a billboard for two months. And then they don't, they don't become rich. And then they stop it. And then they go, well, then I'll do radio. Let me, let me pause you there. Let me pause you there. Okay. I'm going to teach you guys. A I'm going to, I'm going to say something. I got to say it. I, and I know it's going to piss people off, but I don't give a fuck. I have this competitor of mine. Okay. This competitor of mine talks shit about me online. Is always going on there talking about how much people he's recruiting. We recruited half of his company already here. And I stopped it because we, he reached out to me. He apologized and all this shit. We we're in good terms now. I have 19 billboards just in Palm Desert. Palm Desert is like, it's like the size of Tucson, Tucson or whatever you guys call it. Like it's Tucson, a small yeah. one, Tucson. It's a small 1 million uh, people uh, desert from here. He added three billboards for three months and took them down. Yep. And I looked at that and I'm like, 
it doesn't take three months. It doesn't like, not because you put a billboard for three months, people are going to start flooding in and, and all these customers. It doesn't, it goes back to your original comment. You need an, a strong landing page. You need a, a very nice website, a very good and high converting website. You need to like the billboards don't happen overnight. Like right now we started this six months ago, eight months ago where we went heavy. We're seeing the return right now. We're fuck, like, we are getting a ton of leads off them. People are literally calling saying, Oh, you guys just put another billboard. Oh, get, you know what I'm saying? They're on the freeway calling in. So, you know, so yeah, it's the subconscious. It's they say it takes seven times to see something before it becomes a memory and they continue to see it. And people, all of a sudden people are like, Jesus, you are massive because they're seeing your trucks. They're seeing your yard signs. They're seeing your billboards. Then they're like, Oh my God, I was driving by a billboard. Then I heard you on the radio and you're, they're like, yep. all of a sudden it's like cemented, cemented, cemented. Yep. And it's not about them calling you today or tomorrow. It's when they hear their neighbor needs someone or they need something. And, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, usually those guys are the most expensive, but there's something else to be said about them. They're also the ones with brand new trucks. They're also the ones using the best equipment. They're also the ones that'll work nights and weekends. They're also the ones with the nicest office. They're also the ones where the employees are the happiest. Yes. And I that right there. Yes. That right there. And, and I learned one thing that Tommy, thank you for bringing this up again too. I learned one thing that Leland Smith told me. Okay. Never, never apologize for being the most expensive. Never, ever apologize. He, he made it clear in one of the meetings that we had, he never, ever apologized for being the most expensive. If, if people go and bash you online because you're expensive, don't apologize. Sir. And that's what I learned this whole year is I'm not the most expensive. I'm not the cheapest, but I promise to everybody, we are the best there is. Like nobody, and I'm telling you in all of California, there's 10, 20, 30,000 contractors. Nobody's better than us. Nobody. Not one person. Well, well, what I would say to you is think about the biggest company in any market. HVAC, plumbing, electrical, roofing. They're also the yep. most expensive. There's a direct correlation and it's almost every single time the largest is the most expensive because they're running the best business too. And they're able to get buy rates down and they're better negotiators. They understand call tracking metrics. And they're giving one them of the, the best value too. They are the best value. And you know, here's the deal. I say, I say this, you can find a cheaper company, but in the end of it, after five years, they're going to be way more expensive. And there's an opportunity cost because they come out every single year. They're going to, you're going to end up spending more money, but you're going to spending way more time, way more aggravation. And God forbid yep. someone get hurt. We yep. don't want that. So let's get this done today to where yep. it never breaks again. And you never have to worry yep. about it again. I agree. And there's all these nickel and dimers that they'll go boom, boom. They're out every six months and you're missing yep. a day of work. I agree. You know, a good buddy of mine, um, he's very good at HVAC. He does a lot of our stuff and his name's George. He's probably listening to this podcast. He said um, he repairs units and it's a good thing to be able to offer repair. But Ben Davis came on one of the comments and said, that's bullshit. Did you at least offer the customer to replace it? Because it's the customer's choice. You got to give options and do the best option for the customer might have been the repair, but the unit was definitely 15 years old and it is in Arizona. So it's working hard. What, what are your thoughts on that? This is what we tell all our people right here. When we, when we recruit them, uh, Tommy, because obviously revenue, we, we need revenue to, to pay bills to, to all that. Right. But I make it very clear. And I, and all my upper executive team, they know how I feel about this. We always, always do what's right with, by the customer always do like if, if that means it's a five-year-old unit and it needs to be replaced and it needs, it needs to be repaired repair it we don't push technicians to like we don't want like technicians to be flipping flipping costs flipping costs just because we need revenue we need every revenue like no always do but what's right by the client now now we make it clear to them hey if there's a, a five-year-old unit that's undersized that's their electricity bill is is twelve thirteen hundred dollars and you're trying to repair it instead of trying to get them to uh, a project manager to come in there and educate them on why it's undersized why their bill is fifteen hundred dollars a month then you're doing wrong by the client they're not here to choose what the options they're there to educate the client on it and call in help when when the customer asks the question of well how much is a new one right they're not there to provide those kind of options. That's why we have project managers and comfort advisors that go in there and design the whole system for people. So yes, a hundred percent. I'm with Ben Davis on that one. I think, I think we should always be educating the client. It doesn't matter the age of the unit. It doesn't like if you got to get all the information from the client, you got to provide all their options and, and you got to make sure that they get that option to replace it. Because guess what? If they say no, at least they know, right? 
if they say no, at least they know how much was a new one. At least they know like, man, I shouldn't have spent those $2,000 because in two months, three months from now, this unit takes a shit. I'm going to have to spend more money. You know what I'm saying? You know, Joe Cacera says, give six options every single time. I tend to do this. This is what I tell my people every week. If this is my mom's, this is my mom's house. Here's what I'm doing. Now, here's what's important. I got to know what mom's doing. Is she staying in the home? Is she moving? Is she using the house a lot in the summer? I want to know the circumstances. And I say, here's one thing you guys can't do is make the prices. I make the prices. So forget about the pricing. Just do the right thing for the customer. Let me do the pricing. You educate, you follow up, you do the right rapport. So I think it's, what what would I do for mom if she was moving in six months? You know, this is what I would do for mom. That's exactly what we tell people. That's exactly Um, what we tell our technicians and our project managers here. All right, here's a question from Jason Herbert. What was the best, quickest way to scale your company? Recruit, recruit and market. Like you cannot scale without like always constantly recruiting. And Travis Ringy, which is probably my best friend in the in the home service industry now, like he sees like he spent a day with me a couple uh, a week ago. Like I'm yeah, constantly right. recruiting. I'm constantly, yeah. constantly, constantly recruiting. Like whether it's from other people, whether it's uh, a fresh. Like yesterday, we hired a technician that was a, a waiter at a, at a BJ's restaurant cool ass technician that just decided to go to uh, HVC school and now he's graduating. He has a badass person. Like we're always, always recruiting, always recruiting. So, so the number one thing like that I tell like the two, three, $4 million people, uh, uh, contractors is do you got to recruit whatever your time is being taken up. If you're the sales guy, you need a sales guy for, to, to be able to focus on the business. Whatever is keeping you from driving that Lambo, Right. If you got to get out of the Lambo and change the tire, get somebody to change the tire. If you got to get out of the Lambo and, and do a tune-up, get somebody to do a tune-up. If you got to get out of the Lambo for whatever reason, you need to drive that freaking Lambo. Focus on driving. Right. Recruit and market. That's the key to growth. Recruit more, market more. That's it. Well, I think you market. I think half your marketing brain has to go towards recruiting. You know, people say, I look at my Indeed score. I look at my uh, Glassdoor score. And, and, you know, just like you're good at getting Yelp reviews, I try to get my good employees to leave us a review to let us know how we're doing internally is we got to market that. So my, my marketing brain always goes, now, here's the thing, Ishmael, when you see somebody at a restaurant or you're getting a haircut and you want to make them a CSR and it's an amazing person, they're smiling, they're giggly, they're fun. Don't just hand them a card and say, I want you to work for me. Say, listen, yeah. more than this, Ishmael, here's what I want. I want you to tell people. Listen, this is my business card. Here's the business I work at. It's a family over there. Let me give you some things. We do PTO. We go on events together. We have lunches together. But regardless of that, let me ask you this. Uh, Sherry, can you come in either Monday at 1 p.m. or can you come in on Wednesday at 3 p.m.? Because of so many of us, they want them to go out and go. Yes. you got to follow up with them. you got to yep. go above and beyond to get them through the door, get them a ride along. So often we say, well, how come nobody's coming to us when we posted an ad on Craigslist? It's way, 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 way more than that. So what I do right there, Tommy, and I'm super involved in the recruitment part because because the operations there already, the marketing's there, phones are ringing, we're converting leads into revenue. Like that's already there. So so that was eighty percent of my time now. So now what give, I do is all tips. my men. Give me the tips of recruiting. Tell me. So so number one, exactly how you said. Don't just hand people a card. If somebody comes and applies, like yesterday was a perfect example. That kid is 24 years old, grew up in Santa Ana. He had a smile on the whole time. I'm riding around my hoverboard, right? This dude probably thinks I'm like the, like the fucking tech or something. Or I don't know what he, he thinks who I am. But I went up to him, and he started a conversation right then and there. He's like, man, that's a cool hoverboard, man. Do you always ride that around? He started, like, talking to me. And I'm on my phone. I'm like, who the hell is this kid, right? Dude, right then and there, right? I text my, my service manager, Shane, get over here. I need you to talk to this kid. That kid went into his office 15 minutes later. We had an offer in the table. He starts on Monday. He's getting paid hourly plus, plus a, a little bit of a bonus incentives. The kid was making $16 an hour. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how fast we execute. And, and when I tell people, like, we, we hired four, three CSRs yesterday. Like, Liz is my, my office manager, Liz. If somebody walks in that door, they're smiling, they have a good attitude, they're talking about their family, they live here, they're making conversation with you. That 15-minute interview that you had carried on to 45 minutes, they leave that door without an offer. 
because we will teach American nation. We will teach them whatever the fuck they need to be taught. What we won't teach is good personality. You can tell them what you want, but if they already have the good morals, they have the personality, they have the smile, they know how to interact with people. It's hard to teach people that. It's hard to teach people that. You can teach anybody AC. You know what I'm saying? So number one, yes, always be recruited. Number two, when people walk in the door, dude, don't let them leave without a contract. Don't let them leave without a contract. Don't let them leave without, when do you start? Don't let them leave. Like if there's something that they want, work it out right then and there. Don't, hey, I'll get back to you. Let me talk to the owner. Oh, let me get with my manager. No, you, you are in front of these people. You talk to them. If they want a dollar more and you were fighting about between 16 and 17, give them the 17 if they're worth it, right? So close the deal right then and there. And number three, never fucking stop recruiting. Never, ever, ever, ever. We have 281 employees now. Like, you think we got to 281 employees? Huh? 280? 281 employees, yeah, and we just hired him. So 283 now. So let me ask you something. Uh, we, we got a few minutes. I'm going to go a little bit over. You know, I feel like there's certain people in the business that we know of, and we might have even talked a little bit, is uh, certain people get a little too greedy. They start making bad decisions. They start hitting the, the day 27 of the month, and start doing things that are disingenuous. And there's installers that do it. There's techs that do it. And there's a lot of owners that do it. How do you brace and block yourself from being that person who basically does disingenuous things towards the the, the wrong times? And and it happens in politics. It happens in, in everything around us. But how do you stop it from, from taking over and, and really destroying the, the name of the company? I focus on the people. So I try not to focus on those little bad energies that, they're, that how you're saying that, cause that's always going to be there. Right. So I focus on always like back to um, like how we keep our good name, how we keep our good reviews. Like we probably, we have a stellar review on Google on Yelp on every platform that you could look at, but, but it's because as soon as somebody wins, I hear about it and I text them personally. I call them. Like I keep my mind busy on the positive instead of the negative. Like if every day I walk in, it doesn't matter. And, and I've seen you do this too, Tommy, which, which when I went to your shop, it reassured me that I'm doing the right thing. I walk in there, I walk into the shop, bro. And nobody is like, nobody's trying to hide from me. Nobody's like, oh shit, it's Ishmael. Let me act like I'm, I'm busy. Like I walk in, I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Hey, good job on that repair yesterday. Hey dude, that job sold there. Like all I am is fucking full of positivity. I try not to focus on, on the negativity. So how, how do I do it? I focus on the positivity on every positive. Now, am I realistic? Of course we have those meetings. We have those executive meetings where I got to fucking drop the hammer on everybody and be like, Hey, we need this, 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 this. We need to get to work there. Right. But that's one or 2% of the time, 99%, 98% of the time. I'm just focused on the positivity on pumping people up on making sure that, that there's nothing shady going on inside the company. Right. And, and we make it clear to them. We make it very clear to them from day one, one bad star review gets you one week suspension, two bad star reviews gets you a two week suspension and three bad star review, one star or two star, anything bad, you're gone. There's no questions. There's no like, Hey, should we negotiate this? I don't care if you do $4 million for me a year. If you're a piece of shit, you're gone. Like, I don't try to like convince myself of, oh, well, he does 4 million and da 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 and da. No, I want good people working here and I will focus on the positivity. So, what are you willing to do if you do get a one star? You'll just give the money, whatever it takes to get rid of that yep. one star. Anything yeah, it takes. You know why, Tommy? Because if somebody went on Yelp and somebody on you Google on anywhere and, and they're complaining about my price and whatever they're complaining about, I don't want their money. I don't want their money. That money is, is mixed in with. With 99.99% good money. I don't need to, to infect the other money. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like a cancer that keeps spreading out. If I keep taking bad money from people, my company's going to go to shit. So if somebody goes in there, I'll give you an example. Somebody goes in there and says, you know, these guys try to sell me a capacitor for $500. I found the part for online for five bucks. It's a ripoff. Da, da, da. I'm not going to sit down and do a ping pong table, a ping pong match with them and tell them on why the cost of doing business, how much the technician's getting paid, the gas, the marketing. They don't care. You know what I do? I call them up and I tell them, Hey, 
What happened? Well, you know, this company did it for $200. You know what I'm going to do for you, ma'am? Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I, I apologize that you didn't see the value behind it. I'm going to go ahead and pay you those $200 for you. Because if we didn't meet your expectations and we couldn't come up with a deal, he, he didn't call the manager and try to do a friends and family discount, whatever went wrong, I'm going to take that upon myself and I'm going to go ahead and refund you. I'm going to give you the $200 that you spent with somebody else, but I need one thing in return. I need two things in return. I need you to update that review. And the keyword is update. I need you to update it, but I don't need you to say how amazing we are. Just say, hey, you know, the owner called me. Say the truth. The owner called me. We worked something out. I appreciate it. He, it seems like it's a good company. And number two, I want you to give me another time, a chance. If something ever happens to your HVC or plumbing system, I want you to call us because I'm going to put a free diagnostic or a free service call to your home on your account whenever you call back. And 99% of the time, Tommy, it's like, Really? You're going to, why? I'm not asking for money. Da, da, da. I'm like, because I, I'm taking it upon myself. That's how much I love my company. That's how much I want people to know that we care about our customers. And right then and there, it goes away. You know, you've done an amazing job of, of representing uh, your brand through the Yelp and uh, Google. So I applaud you for that. Listen, I think there's one thing we've not talked about here that I want to end on. I think recruiting and being able to make great technicians is an amazing thing. Marketing is a huge thing, being able to make the phone ring. But I also think, you know, right now I got the bottom 30% of all of my technicians flying back to Phoenix to retrain. And I said, guys, yesterday I sat down with five of them and I said, you're here because I love you. You're here because we love you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. But here's what we need to talk about. There's a couple things I find that you guys have. Number one, you don't have those magic moments that Joe Cristaro talks about. You're not making the time to connect with the customer and make friendships. So you got to do a better job of building rapport. You're going to find that you're going to spend 45 minutes talking about a Harley Davidson and a little yes. Chihuahua. And that's the thing you need to do. Number two is when I ask a question, I'm not going to come into your garage, Ishmael, and say, hey, hi, Ishmael Valdez. I'd recommend you replace the rollers because they're getting wore out too. I'm going to say, Ishmael, come out here. Are you looking at these rollers? These things are completely shot. And they're gone. They're no bueno. Let's get this done. And there's a difference. There's a confidence level. I own the garage when I'm in the garage, just like you with the air conditioning. But I wanted to talk a little bit about coaching. As I've been in your meetings, I, I did a sales meeting with you. And the one thing we got to do always, 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 always. Yes. So much, so much time happens where you're spending 80 to 90% of your time on the bottom 10%. But do you know that Tom Brady likes to be coached? You know that the coach calls the plays every single time for Tom Brady. And there's a good book. I just read this last week. It's called The Coaching Effect. It's not my book. I read it. Uh, one of the guys listens to the podcast sent it to me. It's called The Coaching Effect by Bill Ekstrom. But it explains how important it is to know where you're at in the game, the key performance indicators, and how to win. And I think to be able to take a current team, the reason why most employees don't do well is because the owner's an asshole. And they don't coach right. They don't take the time to love on their people. They don't look at the positive like you said. So I wanted you to finish up and then I got the last questions and I'll get you out of here. But what are some of the important things that you do to make sure do you do ride-alongs? You do the, the coaching sessions. What are the things that you do to make sure that each team member is hitting their goals and their the work so they can hit their personal goals? We do this. We look at our screen. So if you guys see in the back, that's data queue right there. So the software was meant for that, for coaching, because everybody does the same thing, Tommy, to your point. And by the way, what you just did in the last five minutes, Tommy, that's why you're the best. And that's why I, I applaud you for, for everything that you've done, because people don't realize how fucking smart you are. And the last five minute clips that you just did, hands down, probably one of the best advice people should take and run with. But to get back to it, the, the data cube software was created for coaching, right? It was created so, so you can coach on certain things. Like this is what everybody does. Everybody. They bring in all their technicians and they talk about how they have to wear their booties, how they did it every single time. Or if they're going to do through role playing, or if they're going to go through the different options, they, they give the same training every single time. The data cube software was made so you can focus on the weaknesses. Listen to me. So you can focus on the weaknesses real time. If you have yeah, a technician, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you have a technician that's selling, you know, 50 air scrubbers a month and you have another technician that's selling you know five air scrubbers a month you put them together 
You put them together. Yeah. This guy, and, and, you, and, and you ask this technician, hey, I need you to tell him what you're doing. I need you to show him exactly how you're presenting the air scrubber and all the objections that you have to come through so he can see that. We work on weaknesses here, and, and when we coach on weaknesses, we do a huge meeting every Friday to talk about how amazing we are and, and pump them up and, and, and get their numbers and congratulate the number one, number two, number three, number four uh, technician, right? We do that with them, but we also coach one-on-ones on weaknesses. If this technician is selling a ton of duct work and this technician is not, then we put them together. If this technician is churning a ton of calls and this technician is churning zero calls, then we put them together and, and they see what they're doing right and wrong. And guess what? This technician that doesn't churn that many calls is amazing at repairs. Guess what you're going to do there? You're going to kill two birds with one stone. They're going to teach each other one, how to repair more, one, how to churn more. And that's the whole point of DataCube is to create a competitive atmosphere, right? That's why we put these screens all over our training center so they can see who's number one, who's number 15, right? It creates a competitive atmosphere. Number two, we start working on weaknesses real time. If we see that there's three or four zero tickets in a row from one technician, we bring them out and we talk to them. Hey, is something wrong? Is there a personal problem that we could help you with? You know, are you worried about something? We go through every call, you know what I'm saying? And 99% and, and of the time we find that we need to focus on that technician more. They just want attention. They're like kids. They're like our kids. The worst one is always the one that's getting neglected. Oh, I know. That's, that's a great, great uh, analogy is I always say, what are the dad? And we're the, the big brother in all these, you know, our, our people want four things. It talks about in this book of all the tasks and duties that a coach can do in a week, month or year. And there are many, these four are the most important one-on-one -on -one meetings, consistent structured individual meetings with your team members. Number two, team meetings, consistent structured meetings with everybody on the team. Number three, performance feedback, objectively documented analysis of individuals ability to demonstrate the skills. They are proven necessary to roll success. The number four, career development plans. Where are they going in the company? That's those what the thing was for. That's dude, what you just told me, those four points, key points, are exactly, exactly to the top, to the T, why we created DataCube. It's for those. Well, there's a lot of people saying data. they're going to get DataCube. You know, I'm building DataCube, Bob, is great for what you guys do. I, I'm looking, you know, the way that we pay our people. What we're building is, is it's so important to compare with a bar chart, the whole picture on where they last. Yesterday, I went through each and every one of these five guys, and I said, you're number 83 out of 170 of technicians. Where are you going to be at the end of June? And we went through each and every one of them. Some of them said 20, some of them said 30 different positions. And I said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a couple hundred bucks cash if you hit your goal, but forget about that. Cash. That's nothing. I love That's cash. Nothing. But I said, forget about that. I'm going to talk about you guys in the meetings and I'm going to say this dude came back to Phoenix and freaking owned it. And these guys love, love recognition. Love. Recognition. They love it. So I got to ask you these last questions. So number one, if someone wants to reach out to a lot of people want to come visit your shop, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Go on Service Avengers. You know, I want to see interaction between people on Service Avengers. And if you want to come in here, I'm open to, for you to come in here. I asked for a couple of things. So number one, got to be on service time. And I, I'm not trying to sell it on them. I'm not trying to, to get a point so I could get a Raptor. I'm going to, I could afford a million Raptors right now. Right. What I'm telling them is they need to be on service time because the whole operation revolves around service time and the queue. Right. So if you're going to come in here, you're on success you're on something else. And we're teaching you how to dispatch, how to tag, how to, how to report, how we pull, how we do the, our, our dispatching on there. Like, you're going to waste your time. You're going to try you, the whole time. You're going to be trying to figure out how to put that into success or into something else. So, it, so it wastes the time. Number two, implementing. Like if you're going to come in here, I'm going to spend an hour, two hours with them. Right. I teach, I, I run them around through my management team. I run them through the cube. I let them sit through our meetings, upper management, executive meetings, all the meetings. I let them sit through it. Right. I want them to fucking execute. Don't waste my time. I'm going to spend one hour, two hours of, of my day. Right of my day. I could be charging people 10, 15, $25,000 to spend a day with me. I don't charge them anything. I just want people to win. But if you're going to do that, go back and execute instantly, because that is the reason why I'm here. Because I went to Kenny and Jerry's uh, shop. I went to Leland's shop. I went to Parker and Sons. I went to Travis's shop. I went everywhere. I went fucking, I traveled everywhere. And, and all I did is fucking one thing. I'm going to take one thing from everybody and I'm going to build next gen to get better and better. So Service Avengers, DM me, and, and I'll get you on the board. And then um, 
Is there any books that you'd recommend? Any books that stand out that you really like? Tommy Mellows, homie. What the fuck? Like, that's the only book you should be reading. That guy's a grinder, dude. Tommy, again, I'm going to compliment you one more time. I apologize for when you told me if I wanted your book, number one. But number two, bro, I will save this in front of Joe Casera's Vegas meeting when there's hundreds of people. Tommy Mello is the smartest man in this room. Okay, I don't need to hear. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> your energy. You're the only guy I think in the world that could compete with me with energy because you know, today I just I brought it down to a real mellow state. But I love your energy. And then finally, th this is the thing I kind of finish up with. If there's something we we talked about a lot, I thought this was like literally full of gold nuggets. Like there's so many good things that you mentioned. Is there anything that we missed? Any maybe things to go tell people to do today? Big and small. A lot of people are smaller wondering, I only got this guy that has 35% conversion rate. What do I do? I don't really understand the marketing yet. Oh, and there's some big companies that are going to listen to this, go, what's the next steps for me? So is there something overarching that you could give them kind of to go take action? So the, the recruiting is the hard part, but I'm going to, I'm going to take it to another direction, Tommy. Like I want everybody to focus uh, and this is going to take a fucking huge, massive Tommy Mello, Travis, everybody's got to be on the same team and we just got to get out there. We got to get out there and tell all these fucking millions of kids, underprivileged kids, hustlers, high school graduates, non-graduates, people that are thinking of going to college. Like we all have to team up and amplify our messages to come and join the trades. Like, I am up, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to show off, right? Like, I got multiple houses. I got a cooling on, a Rolls Royce cooling on getting done right now. Like, I have a very lavish life that I want. I'm not doing it to show off. I want people to know that you can make a fucking ton of money. So I want everybody to focus and go out there and promote the trades. I want to go into high schools. I want everybody to, to mentor somebody in high school or, or talk to a high school or a junior high school or a college or whatever it is. And we just need to tell people that there's fucking money to be made in the home service industry. And we just need to steer them this way. That's what I want everybody to focus on. And I gave them plenty of golden nuggets for the last hour, hour and 10 minutes. My next journey after all this next gen is done and, and we find the, find the right partner and, and we go out there, I want to go out there and fucking talk to the masses of high schoolers because at one point I almost didn't graduate high school. You know, I was, I was living out of my car for two weeks once I, I got out of high school and I want those people, I want the people that think they're too shy or they're too dumb or whatever to just come and join us. There's an opportunity for everybody in the home service industry. I love it. That was amazing. I think that anybody who does well in business should think about what they're going to give back. And uh, yep. you've invited people into your shop with open arms. And, and I think that that's amazing. I do the same thing. So keep up the good work. If you want to go visit Ishmael, I'll be posting his phone number all over the place. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for coming on. And thank you. There was about 50, 55 people that have been listening. And I'm sure there will be tens of thousands that this gets out to. So I appreciate sure. everybody that listens. and. Uh, Ishmael, I'll give you a buzz later. I got the trainer waiting for me. It's the one day this week I'm working out, which is great. Look at Focus on this, homie, on the brand. Focus on this. The brand. The brand. Next gen, baby. Well, hey, I'll call you later, man. Thank you. Later, man. All right. Hey, guys, I just wanted to thank you real quick for listening to the podcast. From the bottom of my heart, it means a lot to me. And I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this podcast. Our goal is to enrich your lives and enrich your businesses and your internal customers, which is your staff. And if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe. You're going to find out all the new podcasts. You're going to be able to ask me questions to ask the next guest coming on. And, and do me a quick favor. Leave a quick review. It really helps us out when you like the podcast and you leave a review. Make it four or five sentences. Tell us how we're doing. And I just wanted to mention real quick, we started a membership. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. You get a ton of inside look at what we're going to do to become a billion dollar company. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're telling everybody our secrets basically. And people say, why do you give your secrets away all the time? And I'm like, you know, the hardest part about giving away my secrets is actually trying to get people to do them. So we also create a lot of accountability within this program. So check it out. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. It's cheap. It's a monthly payment. I'm not making any money on it, to be completely frank with you guys, but I think it will enrich your lives even further. So thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it.